Welcome to the Legacy Church Amelia Island podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us. Wherever you're listening from today, we believe that this message will help you to know God and leave a lasting legacy on this earth. Also, welcome to our online family. Many of you are traveling this weekend, and we thank you for tuning in here today. Anybody excited and encouraged to be in God's house today? Yeah? I'm glad because I w- I'm not alone in, in saying that. And uh, hope you had a great holiday weekend. Who enjoyed their Thanksgiving? Yes? Awesome. Who's still eating Thanksgiving leftovers? Anybody? I'm trying to hide them at this point, all right? Courtney leaves yesterday with the girls, and she's like, hey, there's Thanksgiving food. I'm like, it is Saturday. What, what, what are we still talking about Thanksgiving food? Anybody go Black Friday shopping? Yeah? The crazies. I see all of you. Go ahead and raise your hands. The crazies. I did it one time. See, I thought they called it Black Friday because, you know, companies got into the black. No, 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 no. They call it Black Friday because of the evil that comes out that night. I was going to display to, to get gifts for my daughters on the front row here. I was going to display, I kid you not, two women T-boned me with their carts. And they got to that display first because I just backed out of the equation. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, been a great holiday weekend and some of you have gone Black Friday shopping and and I, uh, I'm happy to hear that uh, God is doing all those wonderful things around the community. But one of the most important things that happened this week in the life of our church was our Thanksgiving outreach. Can you got a hand for that? It was pretty significant. We fed so many families and so many people in our community, whether it was at the Legacy Center or we did it old school. Y'all, we went canvassing. Yes. When was the last time you heard about canvassing? We were knocking on doors. We were visiting different people in the community. And it was so remarkable. It was so impactful because here's what you found out, that that's what it's all about. When you knock on doors and you're just finding people right where they are in their element, it was incredible because some people were completely by themselves on Thanksgiving Day. So this is your church. On Thanksgiving Day, first going to serve before having their Thanksgiving, right? We were knocking on doors. People had food. Some didn't have food. We were their Thanksgiving meal, and it was pretty remarkable. But of all the exchanges, um, my girls and the people who were in my group, because we went out in different groups. There was different men and, and women and kids. It was pretty fascinating. But in one of the houses we knocked on, there was a man weeping. We opened the door, and he's weeping. And you're not really sure what's going on, but he was weeping because this was the first holiday without his son. He said, my son was 36 years old and five months And he was by himself weeping. But God sent people there to weep with him, to grieve with him, to pray with him. And it was probably one of the most special experiences of my life. I'm so glad my my group was there to see that and pray with him. And and just um, he needed more than physical food that day. He needed people to be with him. And and God sent sent some people there to do that. And so it was really... um, it's really a great time. I'm so thankful to God that, uh, that he gives us that access, those opportunities as a church family. Amen? Amen. Awesome. And uh, it's just wonderful to be a part of what God is doing in all the earth. And so I also want to let you know about what's happening this coming Saturday. Someone say this Saturday at the Legacy Center is our Christmas outreach. And so this is our biggest outreach of the year. This is one you want to be a part of. And so you've noticed the, the basket in the lobby. We're trying to get 100 gifts because we will have somewhere between... 50 to 100 kids coming. And so it's going to be an amazing time. We'll have Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus, I hear. Um, yeah, it's going to be pretty special. Uh, 
We'll have games and face painting activities, but we are bringing the love of Jesus. And that's what's changing our community. You know, God really, really spoke to my heart and the heart of our leadership that we are going to pour into the mission fields of Nassau County. And we're really going to see change happen right here. We're going to break generational poverty. We're going to break generational curses. We're going to educate, facilitate, tutor, train up in the ways of the Lord. We have our team going out there on Wednesdays and bringing them their own Sunday school experience. It's, it's been incredible. But all that to say, it's 11 to 2, the outreach. If you can show up at 1030, that is when we're registering volunteers and then preparing for people to come into the gates. So I love for families to come together because we have to teach our children this is the heart of God. Not all day long of self-indulgence of phones and activities and games. No, no, go and serve your community. Watch this. This is what I found my children do. Go fall in love with the underserved community. Go fall in love with those who don't have what you have. And it'll begin to change their perception. So all that to say is it's going to be a wonderful time. 11 to 2, show up at 11, 1030, stay as long as you can. But we're going to see God move over 100 gifts over 100 bikes, activities, games, food. We're going to see the hand of God move. Amen? Amen? Awesome. Well, today is an important day because we are concluding, I think, God can do what he wants. But I think we're concluding this series called Kingdom Culture. And, and here's been the gravity of this culture. And I pray in, in Jesus' name we've done it justice. We've shown the cultures of the world, because there's several. There's a my own culture, whatever I perceive life to be, my life experiences, there's a culture, there's pop culture, there's social media culture, there's a culture of my job, there's a culture of my neighborhood, the culture of expectation. There's a lot of kingdoms, a lot of cultures out there. But then there's one kingdom of God. There's one culture of God. And we've tried to show the difference in the two cultures. And, and the moment that I make decisions based on my kingdom or the kingdoms of this world, I pray that something stops me and says, whoa, 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 that's the wrong kingdom. The moment in my marriage with my children, in the community and, and forgiving and loving and financial decisions and everything else, I hope the moment I say I'm heaping to my kingdom and myself, I hope something goes off in my heart and in my head and says, no, that's not God's kingdom. I say that because one day, each and every person in this room, we stand before God. We'll hear one of two responses. It's very plain. It's very simple. It's very clear. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You enter my rest if we honored, if we lived for his kingdom. Notice it say, not believe in God. We, we miss that in the West. Mm -mm. Demons believe in God. If we were a disciple, and a disciple lives for the kingdom of their king. They pledge, a loyal, they pledge allegiance and loyalty to their king. He'll say, welcome into my rest. But to others, we're told, because the Bible says, wide is the road to destruction, but narrow is the road to eternal life. There's another set we're told that he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you or the kingdom you followed. I never knew your priorities. I never knew it took the most of your time, your attention, your resource, your money. I never knew that kingdom. And so for me and our church family, that's the gravity of this series that we're comparing these two kingdoms, and for the rest of your days, you will have to say, whose kingdom won today on Sunday? Whose kingdom won today on Monday? Who got the most of me Monday through Saturday? And that's what we're hoping it does for us and then for those who we have influence over. And so for the next few moments, I feel like this is the best way to close out this series, and I want to talk to you about a message entitled Laws of the Kingdom. Someone look at your neighbor and say, Laws of the Kingdom. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your faithfulness and your love. 
just thank you that you're a holy God and we felt how holy you were here in here today. I thank you that you give us this privilege to open up your word and speak through the volumes of it, speak through the mysteries of it. I thank you that you allow us to gather in a place like this, Lord, and, and just petition you to come and have your way. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and, and teach us the laws of your kingdom? Would you come and teach us what your kingdom looks like versus the kingdoms that we so easily vacillate to and gravitate towards, Father? Open our eyes and open our ears to see you today. May your voice be the most dominant one. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Laws in every kingdom are important to know. You want the benefits of that kingdom? You should know how to live to to receive those benefits. With my daughter who's 15 years old, I'm teaching her the benefits of this kingdom when it comes to a driver's license. Can you believe they're giving them that young these days? 15 years old and she's got a permit. She's not yet mastered the kingdom principles of completely stopping at a stop sign. She's not yet mastered the principles of the speed limit. She says, I'm close. I said, that doesn't fall in the lines of the kingdom of this world. You can't just drive how you want him. And what we find is this, is that in God's kingdom... He has laws that if we abide by, we, we experience the benefits. And, and here's one thing that's important about God's kingdom is that they never change. So the beauty of it is the great-grandparent, the grandparent, or the parent who raised you, the laws that they follow, watch this, don't change. The message always remains the same. The methods may change, but the message remains the same. The laws remain the same. So truly, we miss it when we call it old school. It's the right school. It's the only school. We have more to learn from any generation preceding us than the current one. Because the current one seems to gray things out and say it doesn't take all that, which once again, I'm still looking for it in the Bible and I have not found it doesn't take all that. I found that from their lifestyle and what they're willing to sacrifice and lay down, it takes all that and more than what I'm currently giving. That's what I've read. But the, the laws of the kingdom say that for each and every one of us, it's all collectively the laws remain and they change the same. And, and these laws have been set in all the earth from the beginning of time. So what was set in Genesis remain in Revelation and remains then and remains today and will continue to remain. Watch this. Until the earth is no more. Did you guys know that? Revelation is very clear. This earth is coming to an end. I'm going to say it again. This earth is coming to an end. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new Jerusalem. Did you know that? And I want to make that point because, watch this, you and I get so focused on this world. We get so focused on what the Bible calls the momentary struggles, the momentary issues. We're told in the scripture, this life is but a vapor. But yet I find myself anxiety-ridden. I find myself giving all my attention and my emotions and my time to everything in this world and how it makes me feel. When, hey, by, 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 the, uh, by the standards of this world and by the time frame of life, I'm halfway done with this life. That's good news. I'm closer to heaven than, than I'm here to staying here. And so we, we've got to get into this space where we understand that we live for a different kingdom and laws of a different kingdom. The laws of this kingdom is revealed through something called a seed. Someone say a seed. The crux of this message today is going to be a seed. And so for some of you that's new language, that's going to be new understanding, like, I don't know what you mean. 
Just listen, it's going to make sense. The seed is the beginning of a promise, and God doesn't just make you a promise without giving you a seed. All of God's promises can be tracked back to a seed or seeds. If you understand the nature and the laws of seeds and operate by them, you will experience the benefits and the blessings of God. Can I take you into your Bible to introduce you to where God introduces this thought called seed? You don't have to go very far. Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, you're going to see this very early on in verse 12. The first couple of breaths that we get from God, he introduces a principle, more importantly, a law enacted in the earth, in the entire universe, because he's creating it as we speak in this scripture. He's creating the universe, and as he creates this universe, he says, here's a law I'm going to put in the universe that everybody will have to honor and live by. Watch this. Both those who follow him and those who don't. These laws are applicable both in the natural and in the spiritual. And so here's what we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 12. It says, the land produced vegetation. He's created the universe here. All sorts of, someone say seed? Seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produce plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw it was good. This is on the third day of creation, and what he is telling the universe here, you will now, moving forward from day three, respond to seed. You will now respond to the laws I have set in the universe, in the galaxies, on planet Earth. You will now respond to seed, and you don't have a choice because I've set the standard. And any human or anything else that would come into the earth, whether they believe or not, or are a disciple or not, they will have to respond to this principle of seed. He shows that everything God does is going to come through a seed. So what's the first thing the devil would attack? A what? You don't have to go very far. Might be on the same page or the next page. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. What do you think he came to attack? And what's interesting here is that if you don't know the context, the serpent, he comes to tempt Eve and and then Adam, and, and they fall prey to his temptation. And do you know who God gives his principle to first? Not Eve. Not Adam, but watch this, the serpent, the devil. He says, oh, you must not know the principles of the earth, the universe I created here. And he says this in verse 15 of chapter 3 in Genesis. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Who's her seed? What's his name? Jesus. He's bringing Jesus through what? A seed. Any promise of God, anything God is going to do on the earth, anything he's going to do in the spiritual or the natural, it starts with what? A seed. The enemy knew what was going on here, and God reinforced, no matter what you try, no matter what you do, my promises are yes and amen. You can't stop what I'm going to do. And so he lets him know from the beginning, in between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, saying that you can't stop what I'm going to do through Jesus. This lamb has been slain from the foundations of the earth. The devil thought he had victory in the garden over the seed, but Jesus said, no, that seed is still coming. Someone say amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. Once again, only eight chapters into your Bible. Think about this. There's a lot God has to cover. He's creating the galaxies and the stars and the ocean and the seas and the animals and the firmament and everything else that he's creating, and he's addressing the seed 
over and over and over again. When we see things arrive in Scripture often, you don't have to go to Bible college. Let me save you the finances. It's important. It's important when you're seeing this constant dialogue around this. Genesis 8.22 says, while the earth remains, what's this? Seed time and harvest. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. You know the beauty of this? Doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not. You abide by these times and these seasons. Doesn't matter if you give glory. I hear people say the man upstairs and want to call him everything else but who he is. Doesn't matter whether you acknowledge him or not. You abide by these seed time, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night because they don't cease. The laws of the kingdom of God are revealed most powerfully through seeds. The vehicle of what he does is a seed. And I want you to start thinking through this because a lot of it will now begin to make sense, not just in the scripture, but in your everyday life. And here's a good working understanding around seed for us here. Seeds are this. Seeds represent the unchangeable laws God has set in all the earth. They can't change. Doesn't matter what a person's title is, what their influence is, how much affluence they have, how much they have or don't have. These laws remain the same from Genesis to current. Understanding these laws will allow you to experience God's best for your life. Or can I just be honest with you? You can miss out on a lot of God's best for your life as well. And in no way, shape, or form are these legalistic. These are just universal laws that have been instituted from the beginning of time. And if you want to benefit from them, then you learn, you understand them, you embrace them, because this is the kingdom culture. These are the keys to the kingdom. This is the culture of God and not the earthly culture. So now you're starting to understand that anything God promises you, he puts into the form of what? Anything he promises you. There are promises right now that you're waiting on. You didn't even know they're in the form of a seed. When I've got three daughters, but they weren't given to me full grown. They weren't given to me as teenagers because I would have probably gave them back. (laughs) Truth be told. They were given to me in a seed. And their mom, I can remember with each and every one of them, the first ultrasound. And I was the worst dad. Like I was acting like I knew what was going on. I was asking all the questions that weren't even important, pertinent. Courtney was rolling her eyes. And then, like, before the 3D scans, do you guys remember back before those days? Like, you couldn't really see nothing but, like, a, like a, a blob on the screen. And I was like, I love that blob. I remember with Anna, I love that blob. It's the best thing ever. She looks just like me. Look, Courtney, she looks just like me. But God doesn't give us these things in our life that we're praying and believing for fully developed. He gives it to us in the form of a seed, a baby, a a job opportunity, a friendship, an investment. The seeds in our life, watch this, can produce anything and everything that God has in store for us. That's the beauty of it. You don't have to look in somebody else's yard. You have to look at somebody else's social media feed. What God has for you is already for you. I'm going to shame some prosperity gospels out there. I'm going to shame them all right now. What he has for you is already for you. The Bible says he has a cattle on a thousand hills. And whatever he's already purposed and promised for your life is available through the form of a seed. Depending on what you do with that seed in your life and those opportunities, you will see that seed develop or watch this or it will not. 
That's what's up to you. That's why you see some thriving and some just enduring in this Christian walk in faith. Some have been intentional about their seeds, praying about their seeds, seeking God to come in alignment and agreement about the seeds of their life. And others have been very, very careless with the seeds of their life. Here's one thing I want to show you today, that seeds are very, let me say it this way, seeds are typically already a part of your life and you're just overlooking it right now. Many of the seeds in our life, they're already a part of our life. They're already with us and we're overlooking them. There's something, it's something you know, something you've experienced, some, some, someone you already know or something you already have. Can I show you? David, he had no clue. The seed was in a couple stones in his back. What was that seed? That seed was taking him from the pasture to the palace. You know the story about David and Goliath with the slingshot? He had the stones. He didn't know the stones were the seed. He has been faithful to God and and worshiping and strumming songs to God and and what he thought was isolation, but it was preparation. The seed was already there. And what was the seed going to be if he was faithful to God? He wasn't always going to be a shepherd. Y'all can laugh now, but this seed is going to turn into something. And so that seed, when his brothers were laughing at him and everyone said he was crazy, the whole infantry said, you can't do this. That seed, what we found out, turned into, he took down Goliath. What happened, he became the general of Israel. Then he became the king of Ziglag. Then he became the king of Israel. And that was one seed in the form of a stone in his pouch. The seed he already had. I'm wondering what seeds you already have in your life. For Moses, he already had the seed. How many times did God have to tell him, Moses, uh, look at what I've already given you. Look at your staff, Moses. Look at Aaron, Moses. He already had, watch this, the things and the people in his life that he already needed. Many of us, were looking for these false validations from anything and everyone, aren't we? I need someone here. I need someone here. What if, like Moses, you have all that you need? Moses, open your cloak. (laughs) Moses, go get your son-in-law. You may have what you already need. My favorite example might be the woman at the well. Do you remember her? Where Jesus meets with her in the middle of the day because she's ashamed to meet at any other time, and and she's got a bit of a history. Jesus shows her. You know where she has to go to find the seed? Right within her. Right within her. Because she goes back, the same woman, and turns her town upside down. She says, come meet the man who told me my whole life. And they say, whoa, something has changed about you. The seed that's in you has now been stirred and developed. And now you're preaching and teaching and not ashamed and not covering up. Because that's why you were at the well at the midday, the hottest part. You were ashamed and now you're bold and now you're vocal about the testimony. He must be real. That seed in you must be real. The seed of Esther preparing for over a year in the king's courts, and and now it comes to fruition, and Esther is nothing more than Esther. She was the seed to preserve the Jewish race. She was a seed to preserve Israel, wasn't she? You are the seed that God wants to use. You are the seed in your family. You are the seed in your workplace. You are the seed that God is working and moving dynamically through as we speak. Will you surrender that seed to God? What if I told you what's going to make you great is already in you? No one's got to validate that thing on you. No one's got to come and tell you something. You don't have to go anywhere. What if what makes you great, God is already doing the inside of you? 
So here's four quick laws of the kingdom that I'm hoping is helping you understand seeds. By the end of this message, if you understand the principles and the laws of seeds, your life will change. If you begin moving forward and being very proactive, not reactive, and very direct about them, you'll see the biggest changes in your life. Remember, this is more than just an agricultural kind of focus. These are axioms. These are truths of life. The first one is this. Sowing and reaping is an unchangeable law in the kingdom of God. Did you know that? Now, that might be new language for some people, but sowing, someone say sowing. Sowing is this. You go out to a plot of land, and you start to drop some seeds in that land, and when you're dropping seeds in that land, you're going to cover the dirt back up. It's going to be watered, and you'll come back at a point in time, and you'll see what has been reaped. Someone say sowing, dropping it in. Someone say reaping, reaping what comes from that. So if I don't sow, can I reap? There's got to be some sowing. And what you'll find out is that everything in life we are sowing. Every time we choose an action or every time we choose to sow, we also choose the consequences of the action. See, we're choosing the reaping before it even comes based on what we've sown. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. Someone say, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps, comes out because he's already planted, right? A man reaps, he's getting the, the, the benefits. He's getting whatever. He's invested his time, his energy, his resource. It doesn't make sense for me to look at somebody else's feed on social media. It doesn't make sense to look at somebody else's marriage, somebody else's kids. I have not sown into their lives. I have not sown into their career path. I have not sown into what... Why would that make sense? I have not sown, all right? A man reaps what he has, what? What he has planted. Why should I be jealous, upset, anxiety-ridden? I have not paid the price that they have paid. Whoever sows to please, oh, now it gets good. Watch this. Whoever sows to please the what? The opposite of the spirit. I need you to hear this. The flesh represents this man Carnal nature, sin, me, myself, I, what I want, what I think, my bends, my bias, my leans, my prejudice. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap what? That's interesting. I thought it said whoever sows to the flesh reaps flesh. Whoever sows to the flesh reaps what? We don't say destruction in our life. No, we say poor mental health and poor emotional health. You know, we say poor finances. You know, we say marriage didn't work out. That's things that we say. You know, we say hate this place in life. Hate where I live. Well, I live here now. Or I drive this now. That's, that's what we say. We say, I'm going through this situation now. I have this family situation. I have this dysfunction. We don't say destruction. But if we understood, if we understood what we have been sowing to the flesh, if we understood that principle, then we'd find out, oh, I'm just reaping what I've sown. And it's not reaping flesh, it's reaping destruction. And we just have different terminology for it in our modern day. But it gets better. It says this, whoever sows to please the what? What is the spirit? The spirit is our relationship with God. The spirit is what pleases God. The spirit was draws us close to him and further from me in the world and everything else. How do you get to the spirit? Through a relationship with God daily through talking with him, communicating with him, in the same way you communicate with friends and family, through getting into his word, through spending times in worship, through spending time in services, through being in small groups and, and accountability of friends who keep you in check and in point. 
So if you sow to the Spirit, if you, if you plant to the Spirit, let's see what happens. If you sow to the Spirit to please the Spirit, from the Spirit you will reap. It says you'll reap the things that don't just spend here, they spend there. That's different altogether. See, the flesh, and that's what every single Netflix movie series, every single pop culture, every single social media, they have trillion-dollar industries based on sowing to what? The flesh. And they're reaping what? Destruction. You don't have to, you don't have to look very far. Just, we, just read the top articles and what this destruction is happening in the entertainment world and social media world and people who are far from God in this country and other countries. You don't have to go very far. Week after week, you see destruction. But if you sow to the Spirit, we're told things that eternal life will, will be available. Here's principle number two. God warned Israel about the priority of seeds in the kingdom of God. Someone say the priority of seeds. Are you aware that God can't be first and God can't be second? It's not even possible. It's a principle of first, not just with giving. With our time, our energy, our resource, our focus. God is the preeminent one by nature. If like you were his favorite and all the planet, he's like, hey, for you, I'll be second or third. That's not a thing. It's not possible. He's sacred. He's holy. He's set apart. And so the priority of seeds, you're going to find all throughout the Bible. But Israel found out very, very early. They found out as soon as they started chasing other gods or watch this, other priorities, other idols, things that supplanted the place of God, which would be an idol in our lives and in their lives. As soon as they went to those spaces and said, God, you'll be one of the things, not the thing. You'll be one of my motivations, not the motivations. You'll be one of my focuses, not the focus. As soon as they walked into that, we would say this, I'm just busy. We would say, I got a lot going on. We say, you know, life, there's, there's a lot of things happening here, and I can find God in my own space wherever. That's what we would say in our culture, okay? Not true. This is what happens. Leviticus 26, 15 through 16. And I like this because if you don't know this scripture, then you might not know this God. See, uh, we serve a God of standards. We serve a God of expectations. I try to teach my girls, have standards. No one gets to hang out in your circle and talk to you any kind of way. Have standards, okay? We serve a God of standards. Some say a God of standards. Watch this. And if you reject my what? Decrees and abhor my what? Laws of the kingdom. There are laws of his kingdom. And if you reject these laws, you reject these decrees and fail to carry out my commands, you so violate my what? Covenant. He's a covenant God. He's not in with you for the moment. He's not a one night stand God. He's a covenant keeping God. He's in this for the long haul. Verse 16, then I will do this to you. I will bring on you sudden terror, wasting disease and fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. You will do what? Plant seed. Oh, you could now plant seed in vain. If he becomes one of the priorities, not the priority, if he's something, a part of the equation, not the equation, if you vacillate back and forth between kingdoms, he said, even the seeds you're planting, you're going to plant in vain because your enemies will eat it. Can I introduce you to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Can I introduce you to the real God who goes by the name the great I am and Yahweh, not the Western Americanized God, not the grayed out, not the pop culture God, not the one you give him a little bit of your time and he's just so graceful and merciful. Mm -mm. 
the God of standards. The God of standards. Jeremiah 12, 12 continues because Israel keeps falling back into the same things. They keep seeking God. Well, ah, you know, let me go try back the world again. And, and here's what it says in Jeremiah 12, 12. My people have planted wheat, but they're harvesting what? So what does that tell you about their seeds? I'll tell you about their seeds. They're back and forth. He's not the priority any longer. They have worn themselves out. I mean, they're doing a lot of stuff. They are good people doing good things. Wearing themselves out, but it has done them no good. They will harvest a crop of shame because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Can I introduce you to the God of standards? Here's the third one. Sowing and reaping. Remember, sowing, planting, reaping, getting the harvest. Suggests patience or waiting period in the kingdom of God. Man, growing up, I hated hearing this. I hated hearing that nothing good grows overnight. I hate hearing the, the, the connotations from the old folks. What I consider old folks in that day was just be patient. Good things come to those who are what? What we find is that seeds take time. You know, it's, it'd be ridiculous if you were to go to plant something today and then walk out tomorrow and be upset that you didn't see it grow. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? And say, I'm burning this whole field because nothing grew as soon as I needed to grow. See, built into what a farmer knows that things take time. And what you don't know, what might make you most frustrated in this message and after this message is that seeds will take time. But the Bible declares and the laws of the universe have already been set. No one gets to change them. If you plant seeds to the flesh, you'll reap what? destruction. But if you plant seeds to the spirit, you'll reap what? Eternal life and eternal things. They have already been set. And so the timetables, let me help you understand this. Trust God with those things. Trust God with timetables. Know that he knows the right times and the right seasons in the right spaces. You've got to believe that. Amen? 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says this, I planted the seeds in your heart." Because the word of God, the gospel, is a seed that will grow. And Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. They didn't get to say when their family or their friends or office got saved. They didn't get to say when the community's hearts turned back to God. They didn't get to say those things. They just knew they did their part of the seed. They spent time with God in the morning. They don't know when their attitude's going to get right. They're going to stop being hateful and spiteful and arrogant and lustful and prideful. They didn't know when their ego is going to start to check itself. They said, hey, I'm doing the right things, the right habits, the right behaviors, and I know God is bringing me to a better place. What we see here is, is that God is, is letting us know that there's a process and there's timing, but in that process, he's doing great things. And here's the last one. We reap proportionately to what we sow in the kingdom of God. This is very important, but also pretty straightforward. We reap proportionally to what we sow in the kingdom of God. You get out, remember, reap based on what you have sown. A farmer could not go plant five seeds and get the harvest of his neighbor who planted 100 seeds. How would that make sense? But yet you and I do this every single day. I see what God's doing and how he's moving. But what have you sown? What have they sown? 
I see their finances and what they can do. And why has God opened up the windows of blessing in their finances? And I hear debt free and, and this and that and investments. What have you sown and what have they not sown? Oh, I love when people want to talk about Christian believers and disciples of Jesus who are doing really, really well financially. I love that that's just not, and they must know the question is, what have they sown? And what have we not sown, right? That's the question. That's, that's what we see here in the scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 is very straightforward. I like this. It says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, someone say a few seeds, will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a what? Generous crop. Does it get any more simple than that? You know, as we turn to the new year, we're going to have a first fruits offering. And I'm already motivated by reading that scripture that I am going to plant generously for this next year. Because I got college and other things to pay for in my life. I got to figure some things out with girls and family and stuff. I need a generous crop, both in the natural and in the spiritual. And so what I want us to know is that shouldn't be a weird or sticking point. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow generously, what do you reap? Generously. Your choice. No one should be able to manipulate you. No one should be able to make you do anything you don't want to do. And the beauty of it, watch this, is that generously looks different for every single person. Based on your means, based on what God has blessed you with, generous looks different. You know it's generous. You know how I found out it's generous? Years and years ago when Courtney figured this principle out. You know it's generous when it hurts. If it don't hurt, not generous. Someone knows what I'm talking about in the room. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to learn that principle. It's generous when it hurts. And I'll say this, I've been in the church world, my gosh, I got saved December 3rd, 1995, been in every kind of church, denomination, conferences all around the world, and I've yet to meet a person who has outgiven God. I've met people who have sacrificed 50 years for God in the mission fields. I've met people who have moved their families, who have sold everything, uprooted, relocated. I've watched people give just millions to the king. And I've never sat there. I sit by a lot of bedsides at the end of people's lives. It's one of the things that you, you do in this. And I've never heard them say this, God owes me. God owes me. What they always say is, I wish I could have done more. I wish I could have given more. Time, resource, money, energy. I've never met a person who served God with reckless abandon and gave mentally, emotionally, resource, finances. I've never heard them say, you know what? God short on me this year about 10 or 15 grand. He's short on me. It's not possible. It's built within the system and the rules of the world. Are you hearing me? There is no way that you could give to God and he doesn't bless you more. The Bible says he'll be a debtor to what? No man. Not possible. So just know that whenever the flesh, it doesn't attack you in Target, doesn't attack you with Jaguar tickets, doesn't attack you on the golf course, doesn't attack you um, on vacations, it doesn't attack you in investments. It only attacks you when given to the house of God. That's the only time the devil shows up. That when the kingdom's been advanced and, and territory's been taken from him, then he shows up. But when he does, you let him know, hey, devil, can you find me someone who God's debtor to? If you can find someone that God's debtor to, devil, then this will work that you're planning in my mind right now. Someone say amen. amen. This is getting good. All right, I'm already running over, so give me some grace and pray for me, okay? Lord, be with our kids in the back, I pray. Give them peace in the spirit. Okay, seeds that take the forms of important opportunities. I want you to see seeds also from this thought. Seeds are important opportunities in your life. Here's the, maybe the most important seed in your life that I want you to be mindful of in your life, is discipling others is a seed. 
Did you know everyone and anyone you have access to in their life, that is an opportunity to plant a seed in their life? Did you know that this is God's plan to give you access to different people's lives, that you plant a seed in their life, that, that one would water, one would plant, but God would give increase? You and I today, do you know why we're here in this room? Do you know why we're tuning in online? We are seeds. We are seeds. Corinthians chapter 3 says it like this. It's not important who does the planting, who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both be rewarded for their work, for we are both God's workers. Isn't that cool? All of us have titles in the room, but our most significant title is God's workers. And you are God's field. Amen, somebody. You know, when you invite somebody to church, maybe it's less about what the church can do for them and what they can do for the church. You get to come be a part of God's workers, be a part of God's field and do great things for the kingdom. Amen? Here's the next one that's an important seed that you won't see it as an important seed. Maybe until you start to see it like this. Are you ready for it? Someone say, I'm ready. This is an important one. Battles and spiritual warfare are seeds of opportunity. Hear me closely. Battles and spiritual warfare are seeds of opportunity for taking new territory. You cannot take new territory or a larger territory or new opportunities in life without the seeds of some new battles. We don't like this in our part of the world. Battles equate to God's purpose? Yes. That's how it works. And you know this by just obvious things, relationships. The one that got away has you with who you have today, right? The one that got away from me was Miss Jones in fourth grade. She's the one that got away so Courtney's life was enriched. She's not in the room. She's in kids serving, so I, I can say that. But the one that got away are the ones that got away. Now have you who you're with, and, and you're so thankful to God for that. The opportunities in life, the things that were cut back and cut away, now have you to where you are today. Are you hearing me? The seeds of battle, the seeds of struggle got you to where you are today. Battle and warfare are important seeds to take territory. So watch this. You better get good at fighting because it doesn't stop. Battles and warfare don't stop. You don't graduate from battles and struggles and warfare and spiritual warfare. You don't graduate from it. Ask Abraham. Ask Isaac, ask Jacob, ask King David on his deathbed. Ask Paul. You don't graduate. These are constant battles in your life. If you see them as battles, you'll stop being upset about them and start seeing them as a rite of passage. Oh, man, God, I'm taking new territory. I'm doing new things, God. You are moving and you're working in my life in ways that I could not imagine, think, or see. I've seen this in our church Anytime we take territory from the devil, anytime we take on a new ministry, it's a battle. It's beautiful, the community and, and helping and feeding and, and taking Jesus to people. Man, it gets harder. There's more demonic things that come at us. There's more battles of spiritual warfare and natural warfare. Do you know what was easiest in this church? We had 10 people in that side room. That was the easiest time it was to pastor this church. But the more you take ground, the more you start influencing families, the more you start inf influencing marriages and taking ground and, and putting God into spaces and, and encouraging, uplifting, and, and healing people who are abused and hurt. Oh, man, battles start coming. Battles start coming nonstop. But this is territory we're taking. Someone say territory we're taking. Living for God more so than you are today, that's a territory. Expect a battle. 
prayer and Bible reading, it's a battle. So expect a battle. Every time you want to pray, expect for your mind to go the other way or a phone call or a text. Every time you want to get into your Bible, expect a battle to come. Every time you want a healthier marriage, that's a territory. Expect a battle to come. Every time you want to raise godly children, that's a territory you're taking. That's a battle. Every single time you want to pray over mental and emotional health, that's a battle. That's a territory the devil and his kingdom want. So you've got to battle and take it back. Every time you want God to move in your career, that's a battle. He wants to be all about you. That's a battle to make it about the kingdom of God. Someone say amen. Amen. These are territories. These are battles. Don't be confused. It's supposed to be difficult. You're supposed to need God for these battles. If you want more of what God has, you have to be willing to battle. Battle is not unique to the spiritual world. Don't over-spiritualize this. You battle in the natural. Okay, try losing weight. Is that super spiritual? It's a battle. Try eating right. Someone said, oh boy. (laughs) That's a battle. That's territory to be taken back, right? Try using the dirty word budgeting. Budgeting is a battle. That's not spiritual, right? Like there are other battles in this life. Raising a family. There are are battles that we see in the natural. Okay, that's a battle, but in the spiritual, it's the same thing. Jabez wasn't ignorant of this law. You guys, many of you heard the prayer of Jabez in 1 Chronicles 4.10. He says this. He cries out to God. Not the first half, but the last half of what was hilarious. Oh, that you would bless me. Enlarge my territory. Got that. Let your hand be with me and keep me from what? harm so i'll be free from pain jabez knew i'm taking territory this is gonna come with some pain this is gonna be a battle you don't take ground from the enemy you don't walk into your purpose your promise opportunities all that god has for you without what battle the enemy will not sit back that's just not how the universe is set you saw that in scripture in chapter three of genesis the lord addressed satan before he addressed who eve and adam because of the battle He said, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Here's what I'm finding out in my life, and maybe you're there. Goliaths, those represent giants. Goliaths, you guys know the story of David and Goliath. They represent giants. They represent hardships. They represent struggles. They represent battles that are bigger than you. Goliaths don't show up until you start entering the territory God has for you. Did you know that? You can read in your Bible, in Israel, they're wandering for 40 years, Outside of the seeds, the purpose, and the promises of God, right? Because their unfaithfulness. Generation had to die off. They're wandering. And no giants show up. No warfare. They don't have to muster the army of Israel and pray for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They don't, none of that. They're wandering outside of God's purpose and promises. But the moment they step into the land flowing with milk and honey, you know what happens? Giants. Battles. The moment you step into God's promise, you can expect what? Giants and battles. I would say this. The presence of a giant, the presence of battles might be proof you're walking in the promises of God. That might be proof you're taking territory in your mind, in your heart, in your life. And for all of my students in here, the devil wants your future. He wants your headspace. He wants you on your phone. He wants social media. He wants you thinking you're insecure. You're not good enough. You're more than enough. You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. You're so created in his image. He would die for that image. And so that's what he hopes 
to do here. But the presence of giants might be a good thing. Because God's people only found giants when they're walking in the presence and the promises of God. But here's where I've got to somehow get to an end. But seeds are, are confusing. Because watch this. Seeds look no different from the planting to the burial. Do you see what I'm saying? When you plant something and bury something, they're both going underground. They're both concealed. And that's, that's the hard part. Like, is this dying in my life or is God raising it up? And it can get confusing. Jesus talks about seeds in John 12, 24. He says this, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only what? A single seed. But what happens? But if it dies, or we would say if it germinates, it produces many seeds. The acorn becomes what? A tree. In order to plant or bury something, you have to do some digging in life. You have to go through some hardship sometimes in life. And what's interesting is that oftentimes the digging, you're concealing, you can't see what God is doing. It's murky, it's mysterious, it's a bit confusing. But you know this, that as you bury things in life, some are buried and some have destiny and the other ones do not. Some things, some seeds in our life that, that we're believing God for have destiny and some don't. And, and you bury a body to get rid of it, but you bury a seed so that would germinate. Do you see the difference? We think through bearing, we think through hardships, and we think through going through things in life. And, and when you plant a seed, it's buried to now mature in something different, and something greater. I want to speak to people who have gone through a tough year or a tough season, and, and you feel like there's been a good amount of, of planting and, and a good amount of bearing in your life. And, and what I want to tell you is this, is that Oftentimes, the bearing and the planting and, and going below the surface and things that you can't see, is this God killing this or is he maybe, maybe doing something great in it? I just can't see it right now because it feels concealed. It feels underground. The Psalms 119 verse 71 says this, it was good for me to be afflicted so I might learn your decrees. See, it was good that I went through some struggles. I went through some trials. So I might depend on your loss and not my own loss. So I might sow to the spirit and not to the flesh. Someone here today, I want you to declare this over yourself because the devil has fooled you. You need to declare today that you have not been buried. You have been planted. You have not been buried. You have been planted because you're a seed that God is using. He's putting you down deep. You've gone through some things. You've experienced some struggles and some trials. But here's what I really, really want you to hear. Watering is the last step before increase of a seed. Some call it storms. Some call it raging seas. Some call it crying all night long. But it's the last step before the growth. I want to talk to someone who's been through a lot in 2022. I'm going to talk to someone that you couldn't even tell us the half of what you've gone through, what you've been through in this year, even if you tried. God sent me to tell you something. You thought it was bad that you cried more than your families, more than your friends. You thought that it was bad that you went through so much, that you had more tears than you can count in this past year. 
But what God wants you to know is you were just watering the seed. You cried more than others. You hurt more than others. You endured more than others. You said, man, where, where is God? What's going on? And what you didn't know is that you were watering the seed that was going to grow. Because watering is the last step for growth. The psalmist says like this in Psalms 126.6, he says, they weep as they go to plant their what? Your tears had to come to water that seed. But they sing as they return with what? Harvest. So every tear, every hardship, every heartache, every pain, every trauma, those tears have now watered, the Bible tells us, the seed that God wants to grow in your life. The longer I live, the more I'm now walking in the harvest of things that I have sown. And that's a great thing. Like, I am so proud and privileged of my daughters. That's probably one of the greatest things I think I've ever sown in my life, my three girls. And now as I get older, I'm seeing the seeds that I was planting and, and now I'm seeing them come up, and, and I love everything about those seeds, and, and seeds of my church family, and seeds of, of all things that are important to me. I'm seeing now the harvest of that. And we so generously, Courtney and I, into our family, into our marriage, into our finances, into our church, into serving. Like, we're seeing a lot of that harvest. But you know the other things that I'm seeing now as well? Throughout the years, there have been some unintentional seeds that I didn't even know. I'm walking to the left and I got seeds behind me. Didn't even know. Attitudes, habits, behaviors. Didn't even know. Didn't even perceive what I was doing. Didn't even know that that conversation, that action, that response. I'm walking and I've got seeds all behind me. I've got seeds all over the place. And I'm like, I didn't know this harvest was coming. But then I think back to conversation. I think back to lack of time in God's presence. I think back to lack of accountability. I think back to all these areas in my life. And oh, I planted that, and I'm walking in that harvest now. And so I want us to know now that you are always planting seeds, intentional and unintentional, because that's the laws of the kingdom of God. And you are now walking in the harvest of those seeds planted. And some you love, some you can't wait to talk about, and some you change the conversation when they come up. And so now you get to walk this out. For the rest of your days, how will you plant the seeds not blame anyone, not shift the blame or, or the buck stops with us and what seeds we will plant because God says the law is if you sow to the spirit, you reap eternal. If you sow to the flesh, you reap what? Destruction. He doesn't say anyone can change that. He doesn't say anyone can manipulate that. He doesn't say what you've been through, how you grew up, what happened to you, what they did to you. Did you notice that there's, there's no if, ands, or buts? It's a law. And today... I'm so excited that you and I get to walk out these seeds in our lives. Amen. God, thank you for your love and your mercy. And I pray somehow we tap into the heart of God, into what you meant as you enacted seeds and these laws into the kingdom of God, and that we would not just be hearers, but like the Shema teaches, that we'd be doers, Lord, and walk out these seeds in our life for your kingdom come and your will to be done. Lord, we want to stand before you one day and hear you say, good and faithful servant, enter my rest because you lived for my kingdom and not your own or the kings of the world, Lord. So teach us 
In Jesus' name, maybe you'll ask him right now, show me, God, how to sow to the Spirit. Show me, God, mentally, emotionally, physically, in my relationships, in my jobs, and in everything that I frequent, God, show me how to sow to the Spirit. But also, we need to say, God, convict me of how I'm sowing to the flesh. I don't want de- destruction, God. My family does not want destruction. My present, my future, my children, we can't afford destruction, God. Could you please show us what we are sowing to the flesh, what kingdoms we are advancing that are not yours, and teach us how to repent and cut them away in Jesus' name. And lastly, if you are far from God in this place with your head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to have a real conversation with the Lord. I'm going to ask you to repent, which means to turn, which means to surrender to God and and believe that he loves you and he's for you and has a better life for you. And so if you're in the building or online, the Bible says if you're just sincere in your heart, you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. And so there's two types of people in this room, some who you've known God and you've walked away and you're the prodigal and others who you have never prayed a proper prayer, say, God, I am yours and you are mine, that no one made you with your parents or any other camp. Like, I need you, God. And so for those people, we're going to pray a prayer as a church family together and believe that something powerful is going to transpire, not because of our words, but because of the posture of your heart. So church, pray this with me and those who are praying this. Lord God, we repent. We believe in you. Forgive us for our sins and change us. Holy Spirit, give us a hunger for your word and for discipleship the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church family, give those a hand who prayed that prayer and glory to our King. We hope that you are challenged, impacted, and blessed by the message today. For more information, please visit LegacyChurchAI.org. Take a moment to follow us on Instagram at LegacyChurchAI.